need to die on is, is we need to lead our children in a biblical way and like just be consistent with teaching them, with teaching them exactly like what you said, to discern between truth and error and, you know, teaching our boys to be boys and our girls to be girls. Welcome to another episode of the Carpe Fide podcast, where if the shoe fits, you wear it. And if the truth hurts, you bear it. I am Justin Gruber. And I am Jesse Gruber. And today we hope you will seize the faith. So you kind of already talked about this, but what's the importance of uh, authorial intent when you're interpreting the scripture? Like the author's intent. So <laughs> I love, I love this conversation. <laughs> um, hermeneutics is my favorite, favorite study. Um, but obviously authorial intent, um, we're not liberals. So we believe that the, uh, the speaker, like when you guys speak to me, you, every time you speak to me, you determine what you meant when you spoke. Right. So with scripture, there's God and there's man, all scriptures, God breathed, um, and it was delivered through man. So you have uh, two authors, as it were. You have God and you have man. Now, the question is, um, you know, authorial intent has to do with the speaker determines the meaning of it. Now, where this comes into practice with um, my particular view is the Old Testament author who wrote, did he understand what he wrote? Uh, well, yes, I, I believe that the Old Testament author does understand what he wrote. Um, and a lot of people try to say, well, you know, did he, he didn't understand the full meaning of what he wrote. And there was a deeper meaning. And um, I heard it put like this. It was really easy. It's what does Genesis 1-1 mean? You know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What does Genesis 1-1 mean if only Moses wrote it? And what does it mean if only God wrote it? Is there a different meaning there? No, it's the same meaning. The only thing that changes is my reverence for that text, my trusting of that text. Like that's it. My obedience to that text based on the fact that it's written by both God and man. So authorial intent, when it comes down to it is the author determines the meaning of his statement. And given that scripture is penned by both God and man, God and man didn't mean anything different they meant the same thing when they spoke. So. Yeah, it's interesting because one of the things I was thinking is you said, does it, does it change anything about the text? And I think what, what you were trying to get at is does it change the meaning of the words that were there? And the reality is it doesn't, but it does change a lot for the text. Cause if Moses was just like, I'm going to say how the world was made. I know how things are like, no, I got nothing for you to do. But if God is saying it, <laughs> then I, then yeah. I want to listen. Then I want to adhere. Then I want to submit. Then I want to honor. There's a big difference there. So that, that's, yeah. that's key. That's, that's definitely key. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's exactly what I meant when I was like, you know, the only thing that changes if, if it was only God, if it was only God or only man is my reverence for that text, my obedience to that text, like basically exactly what you said. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Was, yeah yep. Yep. Because I love that you said, since we're not progressives. <laughs> yes, it turns out when we say something to you, we actually said it with a way that we meant it. <laughs> and when we said it, those were the words that we meant to say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the easiest way, like the easiest way to explain this, like, you know, because we, we, uh, we in the States here, uh, we got a little something called the Constitution. <laughs> and and uh, we, we, just had, we just had a Supreme Court justice uh, confirmed. And, you know, the, there's this whole, there's this whole debate, you know, are, are you, uh, what, what do they call it? A, a literalist? Wait, no, 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 hold no. on. You had a, you had a Supreme Court justice? Like what, what was it? 
One. That's that's right. We don't know. Actually, honestly, uh, what, what was we don't it? know. Yeah. Male or female? Like was we don't know. She doesn't biologist? know. Apparently, this would this doesn't this it's falls a, outside of the creative one of those because... one of those nephilim. <laughs> nephilim. <laughs> um. It is pretty annoying, by the way, that like every time anything happens, like if, if I have to see like one more stupid Will Smith smacking Chris Rock meme, I might lose my mind, bro. But, like oh, you know, come like, on. It's like, come on, guys. I get it, but it's like we kind of like at the end of the day when it happens. Like, I've seen like fifty billion memes, and I'm just like, hey, guys, can, can we be done? Can we like move on with our lives now? <laughs> well, I can tell you this right now: the internet will never forget. It is, it you can move on here. as soon as the next cool thing happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because how fast did we move on from the fact in the first in one week we had literally had all the memes about uh, a person who couldn't answer whether or not she was a woman. Although she was selected on the qualification that she was indeed a woman, a woman. Yeah. Uh, we, so we had all those memes, and then then we literally had all the memes for Will Smith. You could probably, I want to see this done, but over the past, I would say six years, you could write history through the memes that were produced at any given time. You could tell exactly what's happening based on the memes. That would be hilarious. There's got to be anyway. No, I can't. I can't parse this out right now. But, the funny thing is, though, that's basically what a modern day history book would look like. Yeah. Because like, oh. back in the day, I would actually have to read solid history books. Now it's like kids are like, I don't want to read. I just want to see the memes. History meme. <laughs> we should totally write that book. That'd be great. And we yeah. wouldn't even have to write it. We would just have to get the, pictures, the pictures off the internet. And put them in a chronological <laughs> order. Done deal. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, so the the same conversation happens around. Well, I mean, a, a similar conversation happens around our Constitution. You know, you know, is is it a living document? Do we get to interpret what's going on? You know, in light of what we think is happening today, or do we get to, you know, do we get to interpret it how the authors, um, you know, meant it? You know, they meant what they said, and like the the easiest thing that I've come to help explain people is like, all right, so if, if I'm writing you a letter or if I'm telling you something, you know, and, and you understand it perfectly well right here and right now, um, you know, or I, I actually flip it back on them. If you told me something and then in 10 years, I completely twist your words and, and make it, make it so that it's something that, you know, is not accurately what you told me. Like you'd have a problem with that, right? Like that's, that's not cool. And they're like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, that's exactly what we're doing <laughs> with God's word and with, uh, our constitution. You know, like it's you, well, you have scripture to. says that it's living and sharper than any two edged sword. So that means that we can interpret it any way we want. Uh, yeah, that's, like, and that's a perfect yeah. example of what the author of Hebrews <laughs> did not mean when he wrote it. Right? Yeah, that and that's why the authorial intent is so. Is so <laughs> yes, it's living in that it's not dead. It's living in that it does things. Whereas when you're dead, you don't do anything. It's just you're dead. You just dead. You yeah. dead. Josh, in, in our last podcast, we covered uh, we covered a, a Duke Divinity Pride celebration uh, service, worship service, and you can imagine how terrible that is whenever you put divinity and pride in the same thing. You, it's you been erased from the internet, but I have it up still. I'm not closing it. Oh, nice. Yeah, I can still that, play yeah. it anytime I want it. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, like one of the things they they were trying to say the the passage where uh, what is it? Jacob wrestles with God. They, they tried Genesis 22, I believe. Yeah, they they tried to say that that was a trans passage, you know, because <laughs> he they touched his body and it changed and it, it, it changed. 
Oh, bro, it was not great. It was. Or, or, or when Lazarus, ca- or, no, or when God I calls Lazarus out of the tomb, he says, "Lazarus, come out. We need to come out." Yeah. Oh, bro, it's not. Good. As a different, no, oh, it's no, not good. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. So bad, <laughs> so bad bro. If people could see my face, right now, <laughs> so bad, so bad. Yeah. Like. Three quarters of my face is unimpressed. I would, <laughs> I would literally play the audio for you, but I do not want to subject Carpe Fide listeners to that audio a second time. A That's second time, how yeah. bad it was. We'll I was ha- praying for God's judgment to rain down on earth when I heard that. It was like, you know what, Lord, it's it. Just end it. Just do it. Just done. I'm done. We but deserve I, it. You know, it's funny because what, what else do you, what else would you expect from unbelievers really at the end of the day? Yeah. Like they take things, they twist it. Uh, this is Romans one. We've hit basically where God has given this society over to itself. And, you know, this is like, I, I spoke about it today. Like I kind of mentioned it in Sunday school um, where we we're talking about the seventh commandment, thou shalt not murder. But I'm like, we're talking about abortion. And I'm like, you know, all this is like with this whole trans thing, this like God has just literally given us over. Like we are on our nations are under the, like America and Canada are under the judgment of God. I am not convinced that it will get any better. Like I'm like, at, I'm convinced everything's going to get a heck of a lot worse. And these nations, and it, cause we don't know, like truth is we don't know when Christ is going to come back. We have no idea. It could be a thousand years and nations have come. They've fallen. Nations have been judged by God all the time and like i from what i see our nation's going through right now i'm like this is nothing but judgment from god he's given us over and we're in big trouble like that's my that's my take on it yeah but except just as you said your churches are growing and i don't know how many kids you say you had five yeah how yeah how many does trudeau have uh, he has kids. Yeah, but I, only, I think it's only two. I mean, you've already got him out. You already got him beat, bro. I mean, how? I mean, eventually, eventually, they just don't have enough. There's no ammunition in the tank, well, and you can only and, trans I mean, so many people. You don't make me start talking about education right now, Justin. You can only trans so many people. That, that's <laughs> true, saying. but the thing is, like, even if you look at it too, like, we're far. Like, it's funny, we're far outnumbered here. And I always think it's funny when people are like, well, you know, the gates of hell will not proclaim, will not, uh, the gates of hell won't go past the church. Like, um, sorry, I totally misquoted The gates of hell will not prevail. Prevail against the church. And I'm like, yeah, they won't. But that doesn't speak of only the American church or the Canadian church. That speaks of the universal church. (laughs) Jesus was talking about America in that passage. (laughs) (laughs) But I... Like, I think, you know, I, I don't know, like, I just, and, you know, it's funny, like, they can't go longer than w- this one generation, because, like, y- you're not having kids, you're not going to go anywhere, you're all going to die, and then who's going to be left? Well, Less- yeah, the, the Christians are going to be left. Until the Lord returns, baby, everyone dies, that's what I know, all right, yeah. the grave but, is But promised. the problem is, <laughs> the that there's, like, the, the majority of churches up here are such garbage churches that I look at them and I'm like, you're not even a legitimate church. And so like, I look at all these people who are coming out of these churches and they're joining with these LGBT people, mm. uh, like QRL, MNLP, whatever, whatever the heck they are this week. The and like, mafia. things are just getting, like things are getting worse. Like you, we look at it like our up in Canada, it is ridiculous. Thankfully we live in somewhat of a conservative town. Uh, But yeah, I mean, at at the end of the day, I mean, I look at it. um, 
you know, God had his elect when, you know, they went into, when, when Israel went into Babylon, but God protected his people. And so regardless of what happens up here, God's going to protect his people. That doesn't mean that I'm going to be spared from, you know, dying. Uh, that doesn't mean any of that. But what it means is like the Israelites, they didn't focus on just themselves. They were always focusing on the next generation. And like, they're very generational and looking forward. Like even God says, you know, uh, you read the Proverbs, obey so that you may live long in the land. It's like, it's not only them, like even, even the the nation, like when they want, when they wandered through the wilderness, they knew they were going to die, but they were still focused on the next generation entering into the promised land. Even though they died, they died in unbelief, which is crazy. Like, but you should be like, we shouldn't be so focused on ourselves. So for me, I'm just like, you know, whatever happens, God's in control. I don't need to fear. Things are getting worse. But I'm also, the worse things get, whenever things get really bad, God tends to work a lot. And you can see it. You can see it in the fact that, like, these churches now have grown exponentially. And they've grown in, like, you know, godliness. They've grown in love for one another. You see the Holy Spirit working in that. And so I'm just like, as things get worse, I'm just excited to see what God's going to do. Well, he's going to ask me if I'm a crazy charismatic. Isn't he? No, no, no. Everything. <laughs> no. God's always working, man. God's always working. And however the, you know, <laughs> however the charismatic displays in you, I don't, I'm not here to, I don't, I don't have, I don't have a word for you. I mean, yeah. <laughs> okay. I've got a word for you. Okay. Right here. Okay. Okay. Yeah, nice. No, that's good. That's fair. Or did you wait? Is that in reference to the charismata? I don't know what's going on. No, no, it's it's uh, it's the LSB, so it uh, stands for the Lord's Standard Bible. Oh, okay. Again, I, I still think it's the Little Study Bible, the Little Brother Study Bible. It's what it is. NASB, I mean, okay. NASB, you'll, baby, you'll, NASB, baby, is where it's at. It's you'll you'll grow in sanctification. It's all right. Praise God. I, I'm sure I will. I'll, I'll have my my what is it? Goats? No, go, goat skin? No, what is it? Goat skin. Yeah. If your Bible skin. isn't wrapped in what they used to sacrifice in the Old Testament, then you're really not holy. Well, you know what I know? <laughs> Here's what I know. Sheep go to heaven and goats go to hell. So I don't know about the goats. Ooh. I don't know about That's the goats. That's why we there. killed it and wrap our, wrap our Bible with it. Oh, okay. Because it went to hell? Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. Oh, there. Because it's dead. Well, yeah, we, we're going to a dark place here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we do have a couple We do have a couple more questions. I mean, we're. this is just going to be forever long, but this is great. All right. All right. Here. This one probably, hopefully, maybe not, maybe it won't take too long. What is the best sermon you've ever heard? <laughs> Wait, can we do this easier? Why? What's the best sermon you've heard ever? And then what's the best sermon you've heard in the past three years? Because I don't know. I, did if you did that make me, it easier? I don't if know. you ask me what the best sermon I've heard ever is, I have to start running back into like, you know... Um, uh, my Martin Lloyd Jones library, my my um, my my <clears throat> well, why am I messing his name up right now? So, I mean, I've got a couple of reasons why you could be doing that, but <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I could do it evangelist like Vance Havner. I could like there's so many sermons I've heard preached that are really good. Like you specifically stop the best making sermon. it easier for him. I want this to be a hard question that he's got to think through. <sighs> now yes. we've now we've stalled. So <laughs> no, it is a hard question because because ultimately, like it's funny. It's it. Like, and I don't want to say it is a very subjective thing. It is truly 
because like different sermons affect different people in different ways. Amen. So I mean, maybe maybe me, impactful would impactful be a good qualifier. Yeah. One of the most impactful sermons I, I think is it's funny because I don't even know the full sermon, but I remember it was when I when I became a believer. My dad sent me like a Paul Washer sermon, and um, the, one of the most impactful things is so obviously I'd never heard the gospel explained in such a way that um, I understood um, why a Palestinian Jew two thousand years ago dying paid for my sin. So when he walked through penal substitutionary atonement, like I couldn't explain to you what that was, but like when he explained it, I was amazed and I finally understood the gospel. And then he also mentioned how he, he, uh, he quoted a Psalm and it was lift your heads, O ancient doors. Um, and he, he walks through, you know, how all of creation falls before Christ. And then he's like, you know, I talk to people all the time and, and they say, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm, you know, I'm young. I'm going to live for, for a long time. I don't need to come to Christ. And he's like, you know, it doesn't matter whether or not, um, you know, either you're going there or he's coming here, but you're going to stand before him. He's like, and you're going to bow either out of the mercy that's been given to you or because your kneecaps are broken with a rod of iron. And I was an unbeliever when I heard that. And I was just like, something clicked. Like for me, so I, I would say like that was that was one of the things that God used to convert me, and so that was a very impactful sermon. Um, other than that, I, I think the most important preaching, and I know this really isn't what you asked, sort of. So I'm, but I'm gonna get around to it. Um, you know, I'm discipling a young guy in our church, and he has a habit of listening to sermons constantly, all throughout the day. And that's not necessarily wrong, but the problem is, is that he goes everywhere else. And I'm like, when I ask him, like, okay, what what has affected you, like, in what you've listened to? And he's like, why? He can't really answer the question. So my advice to him was, you know, don't listen to everybody else and, you know, go everywhere else, listen to our pastors and listen to their sermons more than once, like throughout the week and really chew on what they're feeding you because they're your pastors. They care about you. And he's like, well, I like MacArthur. I'm like, well, guess what? MacArthur doesn't like you. He doesn't know who you are. (laughs) He doesn't care about you. So like, I get it. Like, I like John MacArthur, too. I think he's a great preacher, and, like, I do occasionally listen to him. But at the end of the day, the pastor I'm trying to listen to the most is my pastor because that's the pastor that cares about me and that shepherds me and has me in mind when he's, you know, strenuously working through um, the text all throughout the week in order to, like, prepare something for me. And it's funny because with Wrath and Grace, um, they work with Vody. Like we work with Vody a lot. And when I was up in Calgary, we had a, we had a church. Uh, we were in, we were in our church. We had Vody come and speak. And that Sunday, our church was packed. Like it was absolutely like overflowing. And I, I asked people, I'm like, Hey, where are you from? They're like, Oh, we're from here. I'm like, Oh, so you're not They're like, yeah, we're just visiting your church today. And like, it was funny because I spoke to Johan who owns Wrath and Grace, who runs Vody Bakum, helps run Vody Bakum Ministries. And I was explaining how awesome it was. And he it's funny because he's like, he's like, that's terrible. What do you mean? 
He's like, think about all the pastors that spent all week preparing a sermon. And these people were just like, oh, Bodie's there. I'd rather go listen to him. I'm going to go listen to him. And he's like, that's terrible. Like, especially given the fact that he was there on a Sunday morning during regular, like, to, to preach to the church. And the guy who runs Bodie Ministries is like, they should have been in their own church, listening to their own pastors and really focusing on what they had to bring to them. That's not to say, you know, you can't go listen to Bodhi at a conference or like in an evening, but a lot of times we have this celebrity pastor mentality and people lose their minds over guys. And I'm just like, I get it. Like, I, I like these people too, but I'm going to my pastor who cares for my soul. And that's as far as celebrity pastor goes, he's the most important pastor to me. Well, I mean, as two bivocational pastors ourselves, that sounds like a really great word. Yep, we'll let a, we'll let a lot of other people know your opinion on that. <laughs> yeah, my first, my first. You're thing. like you'll, you'll you'll make them listen to the Carpe Feeding <laughs> podcast <that> service. <laughs> you will listen to this two hour podcast, and you'll like it. <laughs> my my first inclination was to say, make sure he list, tell him to stop listening to all of them, and tell him to pick one and listen to it five times in a day until he has it memorized. Then he'll know. Then he'll be able to answer your question next like there's i was listening i just remember like i i used to try to listen to a lot of different sermons when i stopped and i would literally put the same sermon on repeat and listen to it three or four times in a row and so you're talking like three or four hours of the same sermon then you can really know what someone was intending from the scriptures to teach and you're like wow okay I, i've really got a lot that i just walked away from <laughs> When you're listening to it one time, my gosh, I don't know how you pull it. It's hard to pull anything out of it one time. Like, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, that's yeah. good. You, well, you gave I, him good I, advice. It's, it's funny because sometimes I think it really depends. Like even today, like my pastor, you know, again, he preached from Genesis 47. Um, he had four points in his sermon. Um, and the beautiful thing about his stuff is you just look at the text and you can like you can kind of follow what he what he does. Uh, oh, no, sorry. Genesis 46. And he talks about, you know, at the beginning, um, Israel moves, or sorry, Jacob, Israel, moves to uh, moves to Egypt. And he just talks about, like, again, how he was afraid, but then he went and God promised, said, don't be afraid to go down to Egypt for I'll make you a great nation there. I myself will go down with you to Egypt and I myself will also bring you, you up again. And Joseph will close your eyes with his hand. So he brings him up out of the, out of the promised land. He's coming up like it's his bones, right? Like he's not coming out alive. So again, this is the generational thing of like, he's not just focusing on himself. He's focusing on the next generation. And uh, like my pastor's point there was, you know, just even with the 70 people that went down, it's, it's this small beginnings, don't despise small beginnings, um, talking about not fearing and oops, you have, I can't tell you the entire sermon, but like, that's the thing is like, the thing I stress too is, you know, this gentleman came over and there's a certain, there's a sermon that one of our pastors preached that. Uh, he's like, that was the best sermon in the world. Like it was, oh, it was amazing. Like it was life changing. And like, if you want to ruin someone's day, who says a sermon's life changing, just be like, okay, what was life changing about it? Like, tell me, tell me two things in the sermon that you got that were life changing. And he couldn't. He couldn't do it. 
like he's he's like ah and i'm like i I think what you liked about it was the fact that you had friends that were there that were mormons that came and he taught on hell and so you thought it was awesome because he was giving him giving him the gears kind of but i'm like you need to be able to like listen to your listen to the sermon And, and again i think it's important to go back to listen to it again try to digest what your pastor said and because again like you mentioned you like martin lloyd jones martin lloyd jones did not want his sermons recorded and one of the big reasons why was because he talks about how you can listen irreverently you can be listening while you're doing the dishes and you're not paying attention like so he didn't want it he didn't want his sermons recorded and i think there is some truth to that. It's, it's the real big irony of the Martin Lloyd Jones Trust, which literally exists to preserve his sermons forever. It's a, I'm sorry. Yeah. But yes, it's still funny to me. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, so I, I think at the end of the day, it's like, you know, when you listen to a lot of guys, yeah, you might have really, really wide theology, but it's not going to be very deep. And, you know, focus on. Like, like I, we were talking about it today too. Like, you know, this one guy's like, Oh, I listen to these guys who call out heretics and all that. And I'm just like, okay, I, I don't see an issue with, you know, calling out false teachers, but at the same time, like, am I going to call out every false teacher? No, I'm going to, and this is the problem with some parachurch ministries is you'll get these guys who are young and reformed and they want to call out everybody and it's like, for me, I'm just like, do you know anybody who listens to these guys? Like, I don't see the need to call out Stephen Furtick because I, I literally know nobody in my church that listens to Stephen Furtick and probably don't even know who he is. Well, you, you don't know that. he has a, he's, he's in charge of the global church. So, I mean, it's a global church community. Maybe there are some. You just don't know. It's global. Well, we call them closet Furtickers. <laughs> <laughs> you just need to you just need to tell them you just need to preach that sermon that jesus did to lazarus and say come out come out come out right. <laughs> i just i just don't think you, i think i mean if you're gonna if you're gonna be a furniture you should only, you should definitely only do that in the closet i'm just saying oh my gosh wow. oh yeah but, but yeah it, like you can get you can get so bogged down with like all these like all this stuff talking about like the wrong teachers and it's like yeah i get it like we do need to call these guys out but like I, I know friends of mine, like I've had a, I've had a buddy of mine, you know, he's like opposite everything theologically. And he's, he tried sharing this heretic guy with me and he's like, yeah, you should listen. I'm like, dude, I, life's too short for bad theology. I'm not wasting my time. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I always like, like to say, <laughs> I always like to say, um, when it comes to calling out these, I, I believe you you described them as these young, energetic, reformed types. I believe is how you kind of yeah. They want to call out the heretics. They I find that they more often know people by how what they disagree with them on than they do know people by what they agree with them on. And I yeah. that, that's always something that bothers me a little bit because I think it's I think there's there there can be things that we we elevate. Um, beyond uh, maybe a tertiary matter and bring it to a, an area of primacy. And we know we disagree with people on, like, you know, there's there's people who are like, oh, did you say one time that, you know, Washer did this or Vody said that or he, his eschatology is wrong. or And then, like, you cut, you cut people... <laughs> no, seriously, you cut, they cut people off because they're so energetic and they're so... They know exactly what's right. This is the only right way. And they cut themselves off from a wealth of useful 
biblical application that could be actually growing them. And they just like, well, yeah. we're not, he's not in our camp. We don't even know him. Like he's, he's dead to us. Like it's just, I don't I just, it always gets weird to me. Heretics though. I'm all about chopping them off. It's fine. Yeah. Well, with, it's funny. Cause with Proverbs, there's like, as you read, I'm going through and I'm underlining like all these things in, in a green pen on speech. And there's mm. so much just talking about, you know, the godly man holds back. He doesn't, pour out everything in his mind and yeah it's just funny and you know on the whole thing uh have you guys ever watched that uh night of eschatology with piper doug wilson um james hamilton and uh what's his name waldron was it waldron or was it uh was it sam yeah that's sam storms the one that piper storms sam storms yeah yeah Yeah, the one that piper does the he's the mediator he's the guy that's yeah yeah facilitator facilitator and and you know what's funny is um like i would say theologically i'm in more agreement with james hamilton than anyone else in that panel but the thing i noticed about him like i i found sam storms to be absolutely useless to the conversation because he just joked the whole time i didn't enjoy it um, but the thing about James Hamilton that I found annoying is he literally was just cutting people off and he had an answer to everything. And it's funny because I'm like, I'm more in agreement with you theologically, but the thing I like, I really appreciated was Doug Wilson, the godly character that he, you know, put forward in that talk. And I was like, when he spoke, I actually like listened, and I'm like, I'm sure like, Again, I, that's that speaks volumes with that. Also, his voice is kind of—it's pretty amazing. Just when he speaks, his voice has actually got this. It has a commanding kind of a tone. Like it's like I kind of want to hear what this. I think this guy may be saying something important. <laughs> Some people have have a presence. They have a, a gravitas. It's just interesting. But yeah, yeah it, he did. I mean, he did display a good. He character. does have something special about him that makes him more than just another white guy. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what. That, what? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. That, 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 that felt icky. I don't know. I don't know. No, just, just felt it. That, 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 felt, that felt, that sounded privileged. Yeah, that did sound privileged. <laughs> yeah, I think you need to go into the closet in Furtaker over there. That sounded quite privileged. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a unseen backpack of shame and guilt that you carry around <laughs> that you can't get rid of. All right. So we, we got, I think some point this has to end. Um, <laughs> getting into, I, we don't want to ignore the hip hop stuff. So, um, do you have any, this was so nice to like, it was so funny to like almost not talk about rap at all. <laughs> I was like, cause normally when people call me on a podcast, it's like just music. And I'm like, Oh, like I love the theology stuff, but yeah, no, we can definitely get into the rap. I just thought it was funny that like we're at the tail end of the the interview. And you're like, all right, fine, we'll do the rap stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so we oh, this is. Probably- I mean, we don't have to. Do you, do you, I mean, do you, do you want <laughs> I don't. I'll, let's do this. Let's do this one first. Where do you think? Where do you see? Like, this is going to be crazy. You almost have to go over the. It's it's kind of the span of your life rapping, like how you've seen Christian hip hop move. So from where from where you began in your journey of of interacting with the Christian hip hop world and to where it is now to where you see it going where do you see where do you see this trend of Christian hip hop uh, moving because I see the people that are kind of uh, being biblically sound getting only more biblically sound but I see their numbers shrinking and I see this ever increasing number of people willing to just like pastors kind of 
let the world's philosophy of of kindness is king and Christ is is you know tacitly accepting of whatever we decide um, kind of play into their music. Where do you see this whole Christian hip hop world going? Yeah. So um, you've have you heard uh, Wrath and Grace Contra Mundum album? I have. Um, like it's, yeah. So the the end, the last song or the last like little skit. There's a long skit that we're doing where where I do the voice and it's like people thought it was Vody, but it's like I'm a demon talking and like I'm giving a speech and. I say at a point in there where I'm talking about culture going downhill. And then I talk about like the church begins to go downhill with what's happening. And then Christian hip hop is sure to follow. And so, you know, it's sad because when I first heard Christian hip hop, it was like the height of Lecrae's fame. I really enjoyed Lecrae. I, he's the first Christian rapper I ever heard. Um, most of the artists that I listen to have become like either apostate or they're going there very quickly. Um, and, you know, even guys like, you know, cross movement, you see like fanatic, like I, I loved fanatic and then fanatic abandoned the Christian faith. Um, one of the guys I still do appreciate, even though I definitely disagree with his theology, but he's, he's been very consistent is flame. Um, I don't know if you know who flame is phenomenal artist, but he's now he's a Lutheran and anti-Calvinist. So that's always interesting, but his music is super catchy. Um, But again, he tries to the Lutheran view. He does. He's always put his theology forth in his music. And so I still, even though I disagree, find it interesting Mm -hmm. when he puts forth like his view on the Lord's supper, he did a full album on the Lord's supper and what it is from the Lutheran view. And I really enjoyed it. Like, I thought it was a good album. I don't agree with, like, the conclusions, but it was very informative. And it was great. So, like I said, the sad thing, though, is that the overwhelming majority of artists that I grew up listening to in Christian hip-hop are now, like, apostates. Or they're working with, like, they began working with, like, Oneness Pentecostals, and they're on their way they're on their way to becoming apostate. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's um, <laughs> me and I, I joke around all the time, like Christian hip hop and people hate this, but Christian hip hop is dead. Like it really is dead. There's not many of us left doing what we're doing. And like, I think that, you know, God uses what we do and I'm really appreciative of that. Um, so for me, Again, it's, it's kind of one of those things where I, I don't like to think about it too, too often. And I don't like to look around because it's easy to get discouraged. Right. For me, I'm just trying to be faithful with what God's given me. And that's why I don't work with, that's why I work with Wrath and Grace. But like on a lot of my music, I don't feature with a lot of guys. Because a lot of the guys that I've had featured on my old albums, like I'd say the overwhelming majority of them have become apostate. And it's mm. like, it sucks to listen back to that music. And to hear, like, to hear them professing Christ, and then now they've just abandoned it. 
Mm. And it's like, man, that's that sucks. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, I can't imagine like so like I I feel that when I listen to old Lecrae and like like stuff like that, but I can't imagine what it's like having someone on your <laughs> on your own track and having to go back and listen and feeling what yeah. that feels like. I, I that's it's literally that, funny. that does sound like it's a terrible experience. I have, you know, I have different cuts uh from, you know, Christian artists and most of it tends to be older and my No kids, to verbs. Oh wow, no. Oh yeah, wow, yeah. He's, he like... fell he he fell off the wagon, bro. <laughs> oh uh, no. But I mean, from God is bit this is this is ancient. This is ancient of days. We're going way back there. <laughs> the Christian if I've seen. Um but <laughs> but I, I my kids love it and I'm like, yeah, you know, you really got to be careful if you're going to listen to, you know, and this is this is solid Andy Menino, but you got to watch out because, you know, Minio. and this is this Menino. Sorry, I, I did exactly what he says. Everybody does you wrong. Call them Andy Menino. <laughs> <laughs> he even says it's Minio. How many Andy times do you say it, Minio. Whatever. So, but I like. But then you got to watch. Say it, it with me, Minio. Minio. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Great. great. <laughs> uh, but then. He deserves it. Anyway, I'm just saying. <laughs> so, so then you're like, here's, it is a good, yeah, he is a good, he's another great example. Right. Like you a got guy like, who, phenomenal, like he's a phenomenal rapper. Mm-hmm. But like, it's sad because a lot of his stuff now, like, and like even his social media stuff, he openly mocks people who do street evangelism. And it's just, it's, it's sad to see someone go, like, I don't know, I don't know if you heard his stuff, like when he was C Light, he has an album called Sin is Whack. And it is like, amazing like one of the like it's way more theological than it than anything he released you know as any minio um i liked it um but yeah i mean it is really sad like you see these guys one guy i really appreciate from reach that still seems to be faithful is triply um he's always been one of the most theological on the label uh his album 2020 is like classic in my mind because there's so much he does a song called Inexhaustible, uh, just speaking about that attribute of God. And I, I absolutely, I love it. Like, and he has a song with Shailin on that album. But uh, yeah, like, it's it's sad. There's so few that are still faithful. Like Jackie Hill Perry, I was a fan of. She's going way, wayward now. Um, but yeah, like we used to have it, like Jay, like Johan, we have a joke. He's like, you should almost like not work with any artist because if you do, they're going to become a positive. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's so sad. <laughs> But it is true. Like I, I have, but it's good because it's a lesson I teach my kids. I'm like, look, you have to be discerning. Like just because this person made this song and this song is good doesn't mean every song this person makes is going to be glorifying to God. Like that's that's mm-hmm. uh, we are sinful, broken people. We have fallen, and uh, so it's good. It's good to discern. Um, how about how about this question? And this is probably where we really want to. I mean, this is not only this is a, a one. It's a leading question. We're we're leading you somewhere and also it's a good question to kind of end on um what are some we're leading you to the end we are to the end (laughs) every end you know what what are some important hills maybe that we need to consider dying on in 2022 you know like is there any hills we should die on is that i think i think in 2022 I mean, obviously, as believers, um, meeting as the church is a hill that I would die on. Hmm. I did die on that hill, Hmm. and now I'm at a new church. (laughs) So 
I would say that's a hill you want to die on. And as well, um, I think one of the most important hills to die on is uh, we're getting so inundated with LGBT, trans, all this stuff. And the hill we need to die on is, is we need to lead our children in a biblical way and like just be consistent with teaching them, with teaching them exactly like what you said, to discern between truth and error and, you know, teaching our boys to be boys and our girls to be girls. Like that's for me, my biggest heart with Christian hip hop and with everything is, is teaching your kids family worship. Um, You know, the Puritans would call the house, like a little church, like this is like a little church. And so you need to, teach your children you need to raise them up to be godly men and women that's the most important hill for us to die on because that's the only way we're going to continue on um in a godly way and the beautiful thing is we know god is going to honor that and that's brings us to the eschaton and, and revelation 21 and 22 the beautiful um you know, being with him face to face. So we need to do that. And that's, I'd say that's the most important hill that we need to die on. Yeah. Well, that sounds like plenty of good stuff. You should get, you know, someone could make into a song there. I did. It's called lead the way. And it's already out. It's so fitting. He's got an answer for everything. This isn't even, this is why why we wanted to talk to him. (laughs) This is why. Well, I mean, I'm sure there are many other hills to die on that you could write songs about. That's that's for sure. I, I, I think that's probably possible. <laughs> so I'll do a song called Carpe Fide. Whoa. <laughs> Seize of Faith. Technically, as a homeschool dad, it just it's feedum. Technically is the correct declension of the <sighs> Latin. We did that wrong. Yeah, we did that wrong. We messed that up. Yeah. Carpe yeah, the, the the cross politic guys are embarrassed to wear our shirts. Um over That's there in, in Moscow, Idaho. They may be. They said that the new St. Andrews College kids make fun of them because it's the wrong de- Latin declension. Yeah. And I'm like, look, I haven't gotten there in my classical homeschooling yet. So, like... Yeah. <laughs> We, we like to say wrong declension, right theology. Amen. And that's that's what's most important. Amen. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Who cares about the declensions, you know, whatever. Get the theology right. It's all about that. Um <laughs> This has been awesome, brother. I'm I'm thankful and I'm super excited to uh, let some people hear this awesome song um, that that is being dropped by you and Read B verses. Uh, literally, literally lost in space listening to this thing. So that'll be super exciting to, uh, to let people hear. And uh, and and man, I I hope this I hope this time was was excellent for you because uh, it was really excellent for us. That's for sure. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, and I, I mean, again, it's you know, it's. It's hard to follow up Devin Davis, but I did my best. <laughs> yeah, Devin Davis, he had to get on here after you know James and Aaron, you know Aaron, Doctor Aaron Rock. You know you had to get on here after some people, but Devin, that was the hard one to follow. We didn't yeah. we didn't talk about oh, Don yeah. Ayers one time. Yeah, do you like? Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. You just said Don Ayers. He he said Don Ayers. I said Don Ayers. No, he said Don Ayers. I said Don Ayers. Did I say Don Ayers? Me you and said Don Josh. Ayers. Go back and listen. Where two or three are gathered. We win. So, oh my gosh, Here. that's not how it works. But okay, <laughs> uh, I don't think that's correct. You may have taken that out of context. Um, uh, but yeah, I, no, I, I'm definitely really appreciative. Like, I appreciate the opportunity, and and uh, yeah, it was great chatting with you guys. And and again, it's um, it's amazing to to see like you know 
just the faithfulness of faithfulness of God and the fact that he's building his church and even in the midst of turmoil, like it seems to be that's when he does the most work. And so it's, it's amazing. Like, our, like right now in turmoil, we're growing and definitely appreciative of that. Society's crashing and burning, but yeah, we know the how it is. kingdom goes forward. Well, I mean, the kingdom's, you know, coming in the millennium. But, <laughs> yeah, no, that's okay. <laughs> I, I was trying everything that I could when earlier when you said, we we don't know what Jesus could come. He could, he could come in a thousand years from now. And I'm like, <laughs> a, a millennium for now. A literal, <laughs> literal millennium for now. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my gosh. Well, anyway, uh, we hope this has encouraged you, listener. Uh, and, you know, as we always say on the Carpe Fide podcast, we hope you will seize, seize the faith. faith.